What is GDPR? And more importantly, how does it impact you and your company? Join internationally known data privacy, data protection expert, Jonathan Armstrong, and Tom Fox, the compliance evangelist, to learn more about the burgeoning world of data privacy and data protection. After listening to this episode, you'll walk away with a greater understanding of what this means for you and your organization. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Jonathan Armstrong for our very first extra special Valentine's Day Life with GDPR podcast recording. So, Jonathan, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you as well, Tom. Well, Jonathan, I have to say I was not expecting a GDPR Valentine's Day present, but it turns out the Irish Data Protection Commission, together with Facebook, have given us a Valentine's Day gift for all of the data protection, data privacy specialists out there. What is all the to-do about? Yeah, that's a good question, Tom. And in honor of the day, obviously, I'm speaking to you from London in my purple velvet Austin Powers suit. Um, But uh, two people who are not getting into the Valentine's Day spirit are clearly Facebook and the Irish Data uh, Commission. What this is about is about Facebook's announcement to uh, start offering a dating service in Europe. And that was meant to launch today, but it won't. Apparently, the uh, Irish Data Protection Commission say they first became aware of the plans on the 3rd of February. They said that they were concerned that they didn't have appropriate information or documentation from Facebook. And they particularly asked for a data protection impact assessment. And uh, because they didn't have the right uh, information, they said in order to expedite the situation, in their words, they visited Facebook's European HQ on the 10th of February and knocked on the door and took away uh, documentation which they will use in their investigation into Facebook's new service. As a result, Facebook confirmed late in the day that they would not be launching today, and this is something that's likely to run and run, I think. So, Jonathan, you used some terms in there that I hope will be familiar to our listeners, uh, data protection impact assessment, uh, most particularly DPIAs. Uh, But let me back up and uh, first of all start with you have dealt with regulators in your professional career quite a bit. I have as well. And for a regulator to act within uh, seven days is, is almost even beyond extraordinary Um, number one, to move that quickly, but two, do data protection authorities such as the Irish Data Protection Commission have regulatory authority to uh, do um, dawn raids? Yeah, they have the ability to do it. They are still pretty rare. So in the UK, for example, there was a, a somewhat famous sort of dawn raid into Cambridge Analytica, although that was effectively under the old legislation and a a court order was sought in this case 
my, uh, in the UK case. My understanding is that in the Irish case, it was purely under uh, powers that exist under GDPR for those uh, GDPR uh, uh, fan club members about that's uh, Article 58, which gives dead protection authorities a whole host of powers, including to order uh, data controllers or data processors or data protection representatives, DPRs, to provide information. They're also uh, able to carry out audit. They can um, ask for information from data controllers or processors. They can order processing operations be brought into line with GDPR. They can temporarily or permanently ban uh, processing or types of processing. And the most relevant here, they have the power to obtain access to any premises of the controller or the processor. And they have the power to access what are called equipment and means so this is things like servers. Now, how dawn raids are conducted, even though it's sort of allowed for under GDPR, is still subject to local law. So the way in which dawn raid powers are exercised will differ from country to country. We do think that some dawn raids have been conducted under GDPR. I hear rumors that some have been conducted in the uh, UK, for example, I also hear rumors about some uh, uh, relatively recent uh, joiners to the EU, so some countries to the east of Europe, exercising dawn raid powers as well. But they're still pretty rare. Uh, uh, but I think these, um, I, I think dawn raids will increase. And why the Irish Data Protection Commissioner may have acted particularly quickly in this case is that there are concerns about the perceived lack of activity in Ireland, particularly in connection with Facebook. And my understanding is that some data protection authorities in other countries had more or less said, unless Ireland starts to uh, show progress in investigations, then we'll uh, go, uh, uh, we'll undermine what's called the one-stop shop principle in GDPR, and we'll start investigating uh, as an alternative or in parallel to the Irish regulator. Jonathan, the um, information sought by the Irish regulators, uh, you indicated related to Data Protection Impact Assessment, or a DPIA. Um, mm -hmm. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, we have uh, discussed this topic, uh, if not at length, at least a fair amount in this podcast series. But I was wondering if you might step back and just explain why DPIAs are a key element of GDPR. Uh, is there any guidance on them and how companies utilize them in their everyday course of data privacy, data protection compliance? Yeah, sure, yeah. So in the olden days, pre-GDPR, around about half the countries in the EU had a registration requirement. So, for example, we'd handled um, some data protection registrations for organizations for their Irish operations, and you had to submit details of how you held data. And the uh, regulator could come back and ask you questions and say things like, oh, so you've got HR records on site. Are they uh, in hard copy? Are they in locked cabinets? Who has the key? Who's the alternate with the key when they're on vacation? 
etc., etc., etc. So under the old regime, you used to effectively, in some countries, have to have uh, prior consent. The UK, uh, for various reasons, has a modification of that system, but there alone across the EU, mostly the registration requirement has gone. And it's been replaced with this requirement to do a data protection impact assessment. And it's sort of like a business case for the handling of data or a, or a process to handle data, where an organization says, this is what I want to do with the data, these are the risks, and, how I, and this is how I intend to deal with those risks. And if the organization can balance off the risks by mitigating measures, then it can proceed, and if not, it might have to go along and speak to a regulator. And there are certain types of activity for which a DPIA is mandatory, and they're recommended for most uh, types of data processing. So here, um, for example, one of the triggers for a DPIA is where different data sets uh, are being matched. And that might, I'm speculating, but that might be the trigger here, that Facebook have obviously got a very large data set on Facebook users. And if you're going to overlay and match that data set against a new data set relating to dating, then that uh, might well trigger a DPIA. So um, in many cases, if a DPIA is triggered and if we can't balance the risks, we have to go along and speak to the DPIA and consult with them, consult with the data protection officer, potentially consult with uh, people who might be affected by this new process as well. And that seems to be, uh, a, 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 at least we're guessing, what went wrong here. There is quite a lot of guidance on the conduct of DPIA. There's some guidance pre-GDPR from a body called the Article 29 Working Party that we've talked about before on these podcasts, a sort of threat club of EU data privacy regulators. The Article 29 uh, uh, Working Party was sort of replaced by a more solid uh, structured body called the European Data Protection Board when GDPR came in. And the EDPB adopted the Article 29 guidance and added some of its own uh, in uh, August 2018. And the guidance effectively says in some respects what's quite obvious, you know, the best time to do uh, a DPIA is prior to launching the process. And uh, it also said, you know, that if you need to consult with a regulator, then you should allow sufficient time for that. It, from my experience, you should allow, I think, a minimum of three months, more realistically four to five months. That's forgetting the DPIA together, making sure that it's robust, um, consulting with the regulator if need be. In the UK, there's a, uh, a, a proposed timetable for the consultation process with a, a data protection authority, but the clock stops when they ask you questions. Hence why I'm suggesting that people uh, allow a longish time if they need approval. Um, we don't know how long regulators are taking to approve DPIAs. It's still relatively rare that people are submitting them for approval. But as you rightly say, Tom, we do know that 10 days 
is unlikely to be sufficient. Most regulators can't uh, act that quickly. So, um, so it, it is a, a cornerstone, if you like, of GDPR. It's sort of a little bit like self-regulatory in that organizations have got to do an honest assessment. But in many cases, if there's a data breach or a complaint from an individual, regulators are asking to see DPIAs now as a matter of course. And so organizations do need to be prepared. Jonathan, in addition to sort of the compliance aspect, it's my understanding that a DPIA can also uh, play a part in any assessment or uh, lack of assessment of a penalty going forward through a mitigating or aggravating factor. Could you give a few words on that as well? Yeah, I think, uh, again, the um, EDPB guidance says that um, uh, if you do a good uh, DPIA, this will result in greater uh, trust and confidence, and that might lessen a penalty if there's an issue. And they say, and they're exact words, on the other hand, an incomplete or poorly conducted DPIA could be a factor in a later sanction decision or possibly result directly in a sanction being imposed. So the, 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 the writing is clearly on the wall there that you need to take DPIA seriously. From my experience, it is a little bit like math at school, that um, sometimes if you have a DPIA and you've reached what the regulator thinks is the incorrect decision, but you've done that in good faith and you've taken into account the risks, sometimes a regulator will say, well, you know, we would have come to a different decision, but we're not going to penalize you for having reached this decision. This is in cases where um, there has been, let's say, a data breach, for example, and your assessment of the measures to reduce technical risk has been wrong. Let, let, let's say that as an example. As I've said, in some cases, you have to pass the DPIA to the uh, regulator for blessing before you start processing. But in others, you can make your own assessment, and then a regulator is likely to ask for it after the event. So in cases like that, I think, regulators are likely to intervene. Even pre-GDPR in the UK, we'd had the ICO intervene in one case uh, involving Google DeepMind and a hospital in the UK that was using big data to try and predict health outcomes. And that case was somewhat unusual in that the uh, ICO wanted the DPIA checked by an independent firm of lawyers who had to produce a report that was then shared with the regulator. Jonathan, one of the cornerstones of your advice on this podcast around data protection and data privacy, really in all areas, has been the importance of training. Does that yeah. uh, importance hold true in DPIAs as well? And if so, could you give a few words on the importance of training in this area? Yeah, I, I think it is uh, incredibly important. I mean, to some of our clients, DPIAs are almost like garlic to a vampire. They're something uh, to be avoided. And we've often found that if you take the time to understand the process and practice, their attitude changes completely. Uh, often it's something that you 
fear because you don't understand the process. And, and training can overcome that. For many clients, it's a matter of just having a proper process, having a template that you can live with. Sometimes, perversely from our experience, a longer template works better than a shorter one because you can take the time to explain scenarios, break questions down, et cetera, et cetera. So for most organizations, you've got to find a process that you're really happy with. Uh, often it's a good idea to match it into other processes that are already happening in the business. So if you're doing supplier due diligence, for example, you can do a DPIA and match that together. You can ask suppliers for their assistance. So let's say you're procuring a new helpline. That's likely to require a DPIA. But ask the helpline provider for a template at DPIA, and then you can you can you know use that as as the basis going forward. But training is absolutely critical. People have got to understand how to identify risk and how to mitigate it. And we've often found that organisations that invest time in DPIA training are much healthier as a result. The people who've been through DPIA training, we've had a methodology that we've used on many occasions where you've taken two or three people from each department in the organization. You've trained them in DPIA techniques. They get good at them pretty quickly. But more than that, they also act as the eyes and ears for the compliance team in that bit of the business. And they act as first responders, if you like, for uh, data privacy questions or incidents. So they help the central compliance team manage workload, and they also go out in the business and spot things that are potential issues. So properly, a, a proper training program will significantly uh, increase the compliance bench strength of an organization. Jonathan, um, I guess this is now where the rubber hits the road because uh, as extraordinary as the raid by the Irish Data Protection Commission was and the fact that we are celebrating Facebook uh, on Valentine's Day, I think there's some real solid lessons for not only every data privacy uh, uh, practitioner, but also every corporation. I was wondering if there are two or three key lessons that you can derive from uh, all of this imbroglio. Yeah, I think there are. I think the first one is that obviously DPIAs are, uh, are important and they're going to increase in importance whilst we do new things with technology. So there's all this um, chatter about things like AI, big data, surveillance, facial recognition. Any new innovative technology will almost certainly require a DPIA. And we're likely to see regulators expect to be consulted in many cases, or at the very least, if an organization goes ahead, they better have a good DPIA on file ready for the reg when the regulator asks for it. I think, secondly, many organizations have presumed uh, that there would be a somewhat genteel exchange of correspondence when a regulator would say, please, uh, old boy, send over the DPIA uh, if you'd be so kind. And, and, uh, and a month later, the organization would send one over and it would all be 
uh, tickety-boo. Uh, that clearly isn't the case. We've seen that regulators are prepared to get the team together and go looking for it, which is, uh, I think, um, somewhat surprising to many and shows that regulators do have no power, uh, new powers, and they are prepared uh, to use them. Um, I think, thirdly, people often say, oh, I can't really do a DPIA because it's too difficult. Or they'll say, you know, AI is also very new and we don't understand the risk. Well, you've got to have an earnest endeavor. And, and, and honestly, if you're doing something where you have no idea at all of the risks involved, then you shouldn't be doing that thing. And quite often we find that when organizations go through a, a, a DPIA, they think, actually, this is far too risky. You know, we've had a call uh, for a client in retail that was offered this fantastic new solution. We had a call with the vendor to go through the DPIA. Um, the vendor promised uh, to send uh, some stuff afterwards. And as soon as the call had ended, the client rang us again to say, do you know what? We're just going to close this whole thing down. They had so little understanding of the risks involved when we started to walk through the DPIA that they are not the partners for us. There's too much reputational risk, even if it's legal. So often a DPIA will, is useful for telling you uh, whether things are too risky or not. And then maybe the... Um, the last thing to say, I guess, is that um, is that those people, particularly U.S. corporations, who place themselves in Ireland because they think they're going to get an easier regulatory ride, may be the ones who are really worrying uh, today and over the weekend because the perception has been that the Irish regulator is soft and under-resourced, it clearly takes quite a bit of resource to get a Dawn Raid team together quickly. We don't know how big the team is. We don't know how much resistance they faced at Facebook. But clearly, this was a big call that the regulator made here. And she might have saved uh, one-stop shop, at least in the short term, uh, and, and she uh, you know, may, this may be a one-off, but it might be a sign of tougher enforcement action in uh, Ireland. And it's clearly significant with all the um, uh, litigation going on over data transfer to the U.S. in particular, because that case is going to come back to the uh, same Data Protection Commission in the next uh, few weeks. And if they're... Um, if they're looking at their uh, powers more widely and they have a supporting decision from the European Court of Justice, then the regulation of U.S. corporations in particular will change significantly. Well, Jonathan, this has been a fascinating exploration of something literally torn from the headlines and uh, I think I can safely say that we are going to be revisiting uh, this matter again for additional lessons learned. So uh, with that, uh, I would just like to wish uh, you and Mrs. Armstrong a very happy Valentine's. Well, thank you, Tom, to, to you and uh, 
Mrs. Fox as well. And, and of course, much love to all of our listeners as well. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Jonathan at jonathan.armstrong at quarterycompliance.com. Hope you will join Jonathan and I again in our next episode where we take up another issue related to GDPR in the United Kingdom. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks so much for listening. I look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.